1: message is glory to God in the highest and on earth goodwill toward men and I'm going to start at the very beginning in Genesis with the story of Adam and Eve And so we all, you know, most of us know the story how God created Adam and Eve, and he put them in this garden. And it was a beautiful garden, and they had everything that they could possibly need. It was provided for them. And the Bible says that in the evening, in the cool of the day, God would come in, and he would meet with Adam and Eve. Um, But, but, that big but, um... But the Bible also says that there was a crafty serpent, it was the devil, and he came to to put doubt about God's word. He came to try to deceive Eve and he said to her, God God had told them, look this is the garden you can eat from any of the trees here but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the one command that he gave them. And then the devil comes to Eve and he says, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from the tree? And uh, so immediately he tries to he tries to put doubt. He 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 wants to make Eve question what God said, and then he goes on and he doesn't just question. He doesn't just want to question what God says. He wants to. He wants her to question God's motives, because he says, uh, you know what. Um, you will not surely die because God had told them, if you take from this tree, you will surely die. And the serpent says, you won't die. God knows that if you eat of it, it's going to make you wise. You're going to become wise like God. And so Eve looked at the tree and she saw that the fruit was good for food. And the Bible says that she took it and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband and he took it and ate it. And then Genesis 3, 7 says, at that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves that's what sin does guys we all know that immediately when Adam and Eve sinned when they broke the commandment brokenness came into their world. They felt, all of a sudden, they felt shame. They, they knew that they were naked and they even tried to hide their nakedness so they sewed fig leaves together. And then it goes on to say that that um, just like God would do, he came in and, um, you know, this is a really beautiful part. And I kind of got this revelation in preparing this message. So even though, I don't know if you've thought about this before, but even though they had sinned, God still came in the cool of the day to meet with them. God always wanted relationship with Adam and Eve, just like he wants relationship with us. So he comes in again and then he calls out to Adam and he calls out to Eve and Adam answers and he says, Lord, I hid because I was afraid. That's what sin does. When we sin against God, we're afraid. Now there's a there's a separation between us and God. We we feel the shame. We feel the guilt, and so um, so then God asks him, "Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat of?" And he and then Adam he puts the blame on the wife, and he says, the woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit, and then she blames the devil and says, the serpent did it. And that's, again, what sin does, the mistrust. It causes mistrust. It causes us to blame shift, to put the blame on other people. But God is so good. They tried to cover their nakedness, but but Genesis 3.21 says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. God wanted to cover their sin. And you know, it says that he made skins so an animal had to be killed in order to cover their nakedness. And the blood of the innocent was shed to cover the shame of the guilty. I I want you to remember that the blood of the innocent was shed to cover the shame of the guilty. And then later on in Genesis, we read the story of Abraham. And this is such a powerful story. We we, all of us know it. Um, God comes to Abraham and he tells him that he is gonna make him into a great nation. He tells him that his descendants are gonna be as numerous as the stars in the sky, that they're gonna be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. But there's a problem because Adam and his wife, uh, they don't have any, I mean, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they don't have any children. She's barren and, and they're older. But how many of you guys know that when God makes a promise, he keeps it. He is a promise keeping God. Yeah, and so God keeps his promise and Sarah is like 90 years old and Abraham is 100 years old, but they give birth to a son, the son of the promise and his name is Isaac. And so time passes and then God comes to test Abraham and he tells him, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son, the son that you love and imagine that like this is the son of promise this is this is the dis, where the, his descendants are going to come from and god had told abraham he had promised him that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through his descendants so abraham could be thinking like wait a minute god how could i sacrifice my son he you know in our old age it was a miracle already that we had him and now you're asking me to sacrifice him but the Bible says that, that, that Abraham believed God because God had proven to Abraham his character. God had proven his faithfulness in even giving him the, that son at their old age. So then the story goes on and Abraham tells two of his servants to, to come along and his son Isaac, and, and he says that they're gonna go up to this mountain, Mount Moriah, and they're gonna um, worship. So he tells the servants, you know what, stay here. And uh, my son and I are gonna go up the mountain and worship. And it says in the Bible that his son Isaac turns to him and says, father, I see the wood and I see the fire for the sacrifice, but where is the lamb? And, and I love this, this portion of scripture. Genesis 22, eight says, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. God will provide for himself. And it's it's so beautiful because it's a prophetic picture of what God would do later on. It's a beautiful picture of how God was going to redeem. He was going to provide again the lamb. And so then God keeps his promise to Abraham and his descendants grow numerous and now they've become a nation and God raises up Moses, a leader and a deliverer for this nation, for Israel. But they're living under Egyptian, uh, they're living under slavery in Egyptian territory and they are just oppressed and they're abused. And so the Israelites, they cry out, to God, and, and God raises up Moses, and, um, and then there's a, there's um God tells Moses that he want, that he should go to Pharaoh and demand that he let his people go. But the Bible says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He didn't want to let the Israelites go. They were doing everything that the Egyptians didn't want to do. They were their slaves. So then there's a story of all these plagues, all these horrible things that God brings on the Egyptians, flies and frogs and gnats and boy and all these different plagues but there's one last plague because pharaoh would just he was stubborn and so god tells moses that he is going to send the angel of death and it's going to come and kill the firstborn son of every egyptian family and even their livestock. Um, And so then, um, but he tells them, God says, but you know what? He says, if you Israelites, if you take a lamb and you sacrifice a lamb, one for every family, and you put the blood on the doorposts and the lintels of your house, the angel of death will pass over and will not strike your families. And so the Egyptians do that. They sacrifice a lamb and they put that blood on the lintels and the doorposts and that night surely the angel of death came and there was so much death every firstborn son imagine the the horrific to wake up to the horrific sight that your firstborn son is dead but thankfully the israelites not one of them because of the blood the blood the blood again the blood of the innocent and it's just a really, really powerful story, and then um, afterward, they leave Egypt, and, um, and they're in the wilderness, and God gives Moses the law, because, you know, there's a pesky little thing called sin that we all have to deal with, and so, a holy God couldn't just overlook the sins of the people. A holy God had to deal with sin. So then God institutes the law. And in this law, there's what the what's called the Day of Atonement. And um, in this day, the priest, the high priest of Israel, he would have to sacrifice a bull so that he would... Um, so that he could make atonement for his sins. To make atonement means to make things right, to make restitution. So the high priest would sacrifice a bull and then the high priest uh, would then sacrifice a, a goat for the sins of the people and that's how the sins would be atoned for and the people would be made right with God. And it's just, it was really powerful and this would go on, but I want you to know what it says in Hebrews 10:1 through four. It says, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time and their feelings of guilt Would have disappeared, but instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats. Take away sins. And I know that's heavy, that's very heavy, but it's supposed to be. Because the law, it served to show us that just how how evil and wicked sin is. It was it the law was supposed to show that that because of sin, death comes into the world. And and it's and and but but it's so powerful because when when God through the law reveals our brokenness then we 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 want god because we know just how broken we are we know how much we need it we know how desperate we are for god so the law the law revealed that and it also revealed how perfect and holy God was that he could he couldn't just like let the people sin and it was okay and it no he had to deal with it um and so it was a bloody business every year they would have to take the lamb the goat the bulls and they would have to slaughter it and the blood would and it was just a reminder to the people that really like they still had a guilty conscience. They still knew that they had sinned. So this was year after year. But in all of this, God was revealing his perfect plan. And now this is where it gets good, guys. Come on, just like... (laughs) You know, on the way over here, I told Rudy, you better not flirt with me on the first row because I got to get through this message. So (laughs) you're doing good, babe. But point number one is the perfect Lamb of God. And this message really is perfect for the Christmas season because all of us know that the greatest gift that God has ever gave us was the gift of his son. When Jesus was born, it was the greatest gift that God gave to the world. We we know the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, that, that no one would perish but have eternal life. Those who would believe on him would have eternal life. And then it says for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it but that the world would be saved through him that is good good news and so with the birth of Jesus it was the beginning of the culmination of God's beautiful glorious plan for us with the birth of Jesus it was just the beginning of this glorious plan that God had put into effect since before the beginning of time that's what the Bible says and Jesus is the perfect lamb of God. What the sacrifices of of the bulls and the sacrifices of the lambs, what it couldn't do and what we couldn't do for ourselves because, because because we just don't have the power to do that for ourselves, the perfect lamb of God, Jesus, would do for us. Yeah. And Romans 5, 6 says, When we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. It says we were utterly helpless. In other translations, it says we were powerless. And that's how we were powerless against sin. We we had no power to not sin, even if we didn't want to. And you know what? Religion came in and, 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 and religion tried to say, if you'll do these things, then you can reach God. But, but religion can never reach God. It's not in our power to do it. But God, since the creation of the world, he was already, he was already for us. He was already working to redeem us, to restore us, to bring us back to him. Romans 5 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God doesn't wait for us to get it all together. He doesn't wait till we're good and we're perfect. He knows that's impossible. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and and it's so, and I'm just reminded like of, of Adam and Eve. God took the skins and covered them. It's 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 incredible, it's beautiful. I want you to get a revelation that from the very beginning, God was covering, God was trying to, 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 to make us continue to have a relationship with Him no matter what we did. And, and Isaiah 53:5 puts it so perfectly. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus took the punishment so that we could have peace. The Bible says that. God was in Christ reconciling the world, was, was reconciled, reconciling the world to himself at the cross. Did you know that? God was in Christ reconciling us to God. And the Bible says that now we can have peace with God because we've been reconciled to him. We're made right with him. We're okay. We're, 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 we have a right relationship with God because of that sacrifice and, you know, the, the night that Jesus was born, the Bible says um, in Luke 14 that, that the, the angels appeared to the shepherds, a whole host of, the, of angels. Um, that's like millions of angels, a host of angels. And, and this is what they said. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Good will toward men. God was the angels were excited and they were declaring there's there's gonna be able to be peace on the earth. There's going to be able to be peace in your hearts. And he, the angels were were declaring that God had good will towards us, and that is good news. Our peace, our reconciliation with God was was Jesus came in the form of Jesus he atoned for all of our sins. Hebrews 10:14 says, "For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy." That is just so beautiful. For by that one offering, Jesus offered himself as the perfect lamb of God. He offered his life, his blood. And by that one offering, the Bible says he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Yeah, that is so. That is just like, for me, that is mind-blowing that we have been made perfect. We stand before a holy God justified, perfect. And you know what? None of us feel perfect. None of us feel perfect because we're being made holy. And, and, and I just want to encourage you, the good work that God began in us, he will be faithful to complete it in us. He's doing the work to make us holy. Yeah, that's good news. Let's give God a hand clap. So point number two, our response to God's extravagant love. So now that we know that God has always been for us. Now that we know what he's done, that he gave his son, he gave himself, what's our response? How do we respond to that? Hebrews 10.22 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Because of what Jesus did, that, our response should be to come before God. Our response should be to seek the Lord with all of our heart, because that's, God, that's what God always wanted. That's what he always desired for us to to be in right relationship with him. God's desire was always to draw us to him. And now we can enter the most holy place. We can enter his presence because of that. And then it goes on to say, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. You know, sometimes um, when we mess up, and we all do, the tendency is to kind of like hide from God, just like Adam and Eve. It's kind of like we avoid God because we, we feel bad. But... You know what? God made a way for us. When we mess up, when we sin, we run to God. And he embraces us. We repent. And he forgives us. And he makes things right because that is the kind of God that he is so our response is to seek him to love him to worship him our response is to is to adore him our response should be to live in constant gratitude of everything that he's done and 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 to enter into his presence that's why we do devotions that's why we have quiet time because we come into his presence we meet with the God who loves us we don't do it out of some kind of obligation or to check a box we do it because we need the Lord we need his love to fill us we need his Holy Spirit to fill us Hebrews 10, then um, later on in Hebrews 10, 23 through 24 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. And what is that hope that we affirm? It's the hope of heaven. It's the hope that one day we're going to stand before God and he's going to tell us, well done, good and faithful servant, come into the glory of the Lord. That's the hope that we hold on to. It's a hope of eternal life with him. And then it goes on to say, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted to keep his promise that we are going to be saved, that we are going to have eternal life, that he has a place reserved in heaven just for us. And then it goes on to say, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So our response to all this love that God has given us is that we should love back. We should love God, but not only love God, we should love each other. We should forgive each other. We should be quick to forgive because God's extravagant love has forgiven us. So our response should be to love the way that he has loved. And then it says, and to to motivate each other to good works. And what are, what are the good works? And they're not good works to be made right with God. We've already been made right with God. They're good works that come from a heart of gratitude. They're good works so that other people can see our good works and want God for themselves. So we reach out to the lost. We reach out to the people who are lonely, who need to hear this message. We serve the house of God. We serve the people of God in response to God's love. Love God, love one another. And you know this, we're, we're in the Christmas season and this is a reminder to be just full of of the love of God this Christmas season and this is a reminder to focus on Jesus and everything that he's done and yes we're gonna shop and we're gonna cook and we're gonna do all those things but let's not forget the incredible things that God has done for us let's have hearts that continue to seek the Lord even in the busyness of this season let's make Jesus really the reason for why we celebrate Christmas. I, I want to give a chance to anybody. Uh, take a stand, if everybody will take a stand. I want to give the opportunity for anyone who has felt far away from God, maybe because they're struggling, maybe you're struggling with something, maybe there's sin that you haven't been able to break off of your life. Or maybe you just never heard that God loves you this much that he would send his son Jesus into the world. So I wanna give an opportunity. If you've never received God's love, if you've never felt like you've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus, if, if you've never felt like you, you are just and right before God, I want to give you an opportunity I want you to raise your hand and say, I want that. I want you to be bold and say, I want to know that I'm right with God. Is there anybody that needs to know that they are right with God tonight? If that's you, we've all done it. We've all done it. We've all said, I need God. So don't be ashamed. If that's you, raise your hand. And, and I wanna give an opportunity to, to others who maybe have heard the gospel message before and, and, and you know the word, but, but there's always a feeling of I'm not okay before God. Maybe you struggle to really understand how much God loves you and that he has made you perfect in his sight. I wanna give you an opportunity to, to come. So if that's you, if you need to have God just lavish his love on you tonight, I wanna to invite you to come to the altar because at the altar, when we, when we take a step towards God, he meets us. But we need to take that step towards God. So I just, I invite you, if, if there's any of you who just needs tonight to feel secure in God's love, in his, li- in, his, in his delight for you, I want you to give you an opportunity to come to the altar. And I'm just gonna pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for what you've done for us, God. And I thank you, Father in heaven, that that you opened a door, Lord God, for us to be able to go to heaven to live eternally with you, Father in heaven. I pray, Father in heaven, that right now, the Holy Spirit would just bring such revelation, God, to people's hearts, Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit would minister in a powerful way, bring that that security that our heart needs, Lord God. Father, fill us. We need You, God. We need Your love to love other people, God. So thank You, Father in Heaven. Thank You for tonight. Thank You for letting us feel the weight of sin, but also the glory of God. Thank You, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen.